This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to Equity Mates Investing, the podcast where we explore what's possible in the world of investing. If you've joined us for the first time, welcome. My name is Bryce, and today we're kicking off with some market headlines and NVIDIA's earnings. We're launching a brand new segment called Pimp My Portfolio, and we're bringing back Book Club, discussing the millionaire's factory. To chat through it all, as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How are you? I'm very good, Bryce, and I'm excited for this episode, but I'm sad for you. Why's that? Because you're, you know, they, they say in life, don't make your heroes. Yep. Because it can, only, it can only lead to heartbreak. And you not only had the chance to meet your hero, but for a few years you worked for your hero. <laughs> and no, I'm not talking about me. <laughs> I'm talking about your former boss at Woolworths, Brad Banducci. Now, yep. last week on the podcast, uh, there was a question in the Equity Mates Facebook discussion group about what you thought of the ABC interview. Mm. And maybe less than 24 hours after we record that episode, mm. your hero falls on his sword. <laughs> if so. you're wondering why Ren is like pumping this guy up and my relationship <laughs> with him, yes, I did work at Woolworths for a moment of time. Don't and, downplay and, it. Don't look, downplay it. I'm not. I did. I do still have a lot of respect for Brad yeah, Banducci. Yeah. He best, was an incredible. C- one of the best CEOs in the world, I think, has been bandied around. <laughs> Don't say what I say behind closed doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, I um, it was it was sad. It was shocking the so, news. So for people who don't watch business news as closely as us, uh, he quit. He resigned. Yeah. Yes, he put in his resignation the Wednesday after the Four Corners report on ABC that was pretty damning into uh, I guess alleged price gouging from both the major retailers. Um, reading between the lines, well, knowing, still knowing a few people at Woolworths and the commentary that's coming from Woolworths, it was just bad timing in terms of the announcement of the resignation. 
he had planned to resign this year anyway. He, he's been leading the company for, I think, about eight years and they already had a successor in place ready to rock and roll. So you could say poor timing. From a public perception point of view and what he's getting raked over the coals at the moment is he's just rage quit. <laughs> so uh, unfortunate for him to end this way because, it, ha- in my view, he was uh, an incredible leader to work underneath. Yeah. So um, I have a lot of respect for him still. If you're listening, Brad, I've, I think I've asked you 10 times to come onto the show. <laughs> Please, uh, we'd love to have you on when uh, when the dust settles. Yeah, it would be great. And everyone's saying it's, you know, terrible for his legacy, blah, blah, blah. That was being bandaged around the office yesterday. And then I asked the question, name the Woolworths CEO before him. Like, Corporate CEOs, unless you're like <laughs> Steve Jobs or Jamie Dimon, you don't have a legacy. People forget you. Like well, he's arguably gonna, Brad's but, <laughs> done a, will have much more of a legacy than the CEO before him, let's put it that way. I thought you were about to say Jamie Dimon no, or no, no. Steve Jobs. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All right, well, let's get into uh, what's making news in markets, I guess aside from the Woolworths news. And really the front and centre has been NVIDIA's earnings. Mm. Before we talk about some of these company results and what we are watching, we've got to remind everyone. This is not, no, this is not financial <laughs> That's right. Any information on this show is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general. And Ren, I'm now finding myself humming this at home. Oh, really? Yeah, and Harriet's <laughs> like, what the hell are you saying? <laughs> Wait till we drop the not financial advice caps that are coming. True, true. Hats, I should say. The, the stings are <laughs> the stings are doing so well that they're getting their own merch. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk semiconductors. Let's start with NVIDIA, but then I've been looking at the semiconductor world beyond NVIDIA, and I want to close it out with my best way to invest in the sector. Okay. And it's not NVIDIA. And it's not semi the ETF. It is not. Nice. But let's start with NVIDIA because it seemed like the whole investing world mm. was waiting. I saw CNBC had a countdown, mm. like a New Year's Eve style countdown, and it was like 21 hours, 50 minutes, 49 seconds until NVIDIA uh, uh, yeah. report. Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> so what did we learn? What did we learn? Well, they shot the lights out again. 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 Like we've learned that, uh, as we said last week, Trends in investing continue a lot longer than you expect. So hit us with some of the numbers. Well, I think for context, between 2022 and 2023, NVIDIA's revenue was flat, $27 billion in both years. So it's it's not like this, they're on, on like a long hockey stick growth up. Like it's been an incredible story for a number of years. But flat revenue and then this 2023, it just the hockey stick inverted they went from $27 billion to $60 billion in revenue. So they more than doubled their revenue in a year. So that's up 126%. Quarterly, so just looking at the last three months, they made revenue of $22.1 billion, up 22% from the three months before that. But amazingly, up 265% from the same time last year. Mm. Now, when we spoke to Kieran Moore uh, from Munro for the summer series, mm. uh, he spoke about NVIDIA um, and he said the key part of their thesis and why they thought NVIDIA had more growth was data centers. Yeah. That was the, the NVIDIA breakout, their revenue, and the data center line was the line 
that they were watching. So with Kieran's, I guess, thesis ringing in my ears, I had a look at NVIDIA's data center revenue. How is this for the quarter? 18.4 billion in revenue, up 27% from the quarter before, but up 409% from the same time last year. Kieran Moore's probably uh, rubbing his we hair. Should have, we should give. We should have given. Maybe next week we'll give him a call, or I would get him. Mate, maybe, he wouldn't maybe answer his Instagram. phone. He's out there celebrating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Nah. So obviously, an incredible result from Nvidia. I think the really important thing as investors is that expectations were sky high for this stock. Hmm. And so, if you were buying Nvidia today, it wasn't so much about how the company's going, but it's more about what the expectations were already built into the price Mm. because investors were expecting a massive result. Uh, From what I've read so far, these numbers surpassed expectations. Yeah, well, the after-hours stock movement also suggests that. I think it jumped about 8%. Uh, a few hours after market close. Um, so we'll see what happens when the market opens again overnight, but definitely beating expectations. Yeah. Now, semiconductors are obviously front of mind because of AI and NVIDIA. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to have a little bit of a conversation around semiconductors beyond NVIDIA because mm. NVIDIA isn't the only stock making moves in the space. Uh, the best performing US stock above a billion dollars in value this year is a semiconductor stock. It's not NVIDIA, it's super micro computer. All right. Have you heard of it? No. I hadn't really either. Up 177% year to date. Year to date? Yeah, year to date. (laughs) (laughs) What? Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, It's one of the largest producers of high performance and high efficiency servers. It has manufacturing operations in the Netherlands, Silicon Valley and Taiwan. So um, no idea about the company, as I said, hadn't heard about it, but worth having it on your radar because whatever it's doing, it's shooting the lights out this year. But founded it's a- in 1993, imagine the story of the, if the founder still owns this and is involved in this company. For 20 years, I don't know how it's performed actually over the last 20 years. This is a big over-exaggeration here, but could just be like plodding along, doing well. But in the last two years, your business has just... Yeah. Gone nuts. Well, Bryce, let me tell you about another company that was founded in 1993, NVIDIA. There you go. That's when it was founded. And it was doing like uh, GPUs for gaming. It was seen as a gaming stock. Like it did very well. Oh, man, no doubt. I'm sure this one as well. But they've just like woken up one day and gone, oh, my God. I'm a multi, multi (laughs) multi-billionaire. billionaire, Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, another one that has performed really well in this space is ARM. Yep. IPO'd last year. Yeah. Um, another semiconductor maker. 80, yeah. 80%. More, more for mobiles. Yeah. Um, uh, power a lot of the mobile operating system, the mobile hardware around the world. Um, bit of a short squeeze from memory. Yeah. Well, they're up 80% year to date. Yeah. I think they, their float isn't massive. There's a lot of people short it. And they're getting squeezed a little bit, but just another story of like why you would short this sector know, at I this know. point what in time. Hell? Yeah. Um, but I think the craziest story in the semiconductor space is uh, Sam Altman, the CEO and co-founder of OpenAI, yes. the makers of ChatGPT and Dali and now Sora. He has a side hustle, a little side project that he's working on to reshape the global semiconductor business. He is apparently asking for between five and seven trillion dollars. That is not a typo. That, trillion. Well, that is how much he thinks he's going to need to do what he wants to do. And so people are speculating Hell. about what he wants to do. Uh, 
it, it probably will involve. So to build a, a foundry, like a, yeah, a yeah. semiconductor, a place where you make semiconductors, you, it's about $30 billion. So maybe he wants to massively increase the number of foundries out there. There's also speculation that the number of data centers that are going to be needed and the their energy requirements is just going to be astronomical to power the AI revolution. And so maybe it's something in that space. But yeah, apparently he's asked um, the UAE Investment Corporation to start tipping in some money. <laughs> seven trillion. <laughs> <laughs> to put seven trillion in perspective, that is 14 times larger than the global semiconductor industry, yeah. which did 527 billion in sales last year. It's five times all corporate debt issued in the US last year, 1.44 trillion. It is equivalent to the value of Apple, Alphabet, and Microsoft combined. It's more than the GDP of all countries on earth, aside from China and the US. Put another way, it's equivalent to the combined GDP of India and the UK, or one third the GDP of the US. So Ima- Bryce, my question for you, do you reckon he's going to be able to raise it? Imagine the pitch deck you'd need for $7 trillion. <laughs> I mean, if there's a guy that could do it and understands where all this is heading, it's Sam Altman. So uh, where how this plays out, um, you know, with the whole board issues that we saw last year with chat GPT and whatnot. I don't know if this is a side project. It seems like a massive side project. So um, interested to see who tips money into this. Yeah. Now, and for context, like China's invested about 150 billion in their domestic semiconductor manufacturing efforts and hasn't really made a dent globally. So, Mm. you know, if Sam Altman's ambition is to reshape the global semiconductor industry, he'll need to invest more than China already has. Yeah. Um, now, I said I was going to close out with my best way to play this semiconductor theme. Yeah. Uh, ASML, I still think, is the best uh, way to play it. For people unfamiliar, they are the only maker of advanced lithography machines um, that are critical in the production of semiconductors. Mm. I think, you know, there's so many people designing semiconductors. Obviously, TSMC and Samsung are making a lot of them. But ASML are a real like bottleneck, a real monopoly in that supply chain. Mm, mm. And so whatever happens around them, they're going to be critical. Yeah, it's a good shot. Um, so I haven't looked at the financials or what they're trading at recently. But I think if you're interested in this space, if you're getting caught up in the hype, a company to add to your watch list is the Dutch lithography company ASML. We're very excited for this. It's the first ever Pimp My Portfolio. So let's get started. This is Pimp My Portfolio. Pimp My Portfolio. Yes. Firstly, welcome to Corey, the first Equity Mates community member to submit his portfolio and join us on the show. Corey, welcome. Ahoy, gentlemen. What did you think of our opener? Yeah, we're, we're big into stings this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's um, it, it fits the tone, so definitely. Good, <laughs> nice, good. Nice, nice. So now, we- now, for people who are hearing uh, this Pimp My Portfolio for the first time, this is a new segment we're kicking off this year where we are getting experts in the studio to have a look at uh, the portfolios of the Equitymates community and uh, give some general advice on uh, what they are seeing what they think. Uh, they might ask some probing questions about what they're discovering in there. But it's a chance for us all to have a professional cast an eye over what we've been buying. Yes. So joining us in the studio, we have Luke Larrative from Seneca. Luke, welcome. 
Bryce, Alec, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> We're good. We're excited. We're pumped for this segment. Yes. No, it should be good. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Now, Luke is going to be the expert going through this. A word of warning, as always, that this is general advice only. So, and, anyway. we, and we should be clear in this context, Luke doesn't know Corey from Adam. Like he does know nothing about Corey's personal circumstances. All we've got is the list of holdings and portfolio weightings. So, yeah, I don't know anything about Corey's personal circumstances and obviously that's probably the most important thing about giving advice to people is you need not just general advice but advice to a person, which is why, you know, I'm an advisor and I believe in the value of advice. Um, but hopefully we can provide some general sort of thoughts and yeah, uh, yeah. some know, strategies. Yes. Yeah, some ideas to for Corey to go away with and for us all to reflect on. But, Corey, yeah, massive thank you for sharing your portfolio. Now, we're going to start by, I guess, explaining what we're seeing uh, and then Luke has got some thoughts and he's got a nickname for it as well. So Bryce, Everyone's going to get a nickname. <laughs> so Bryce, tell us what is in Corey's portfolio. All right. So Corey, I'm seeing in your portfolio there are a couple of ETFs, uh, one that tracks the NASDAQ and then, then there are a couple of thematic in cybersecurity, robotics and semiconductors as well as uranium. And then there are a bunch of individual stocks um, mostly listed here in Australia, some include Aussie Broadband, Hit IQ, Weebit Nano. There's a and Qantas. So an interesting range there. Yeah, the the split is about forty two percent in the ETFs, and then about fifty eight percent in the individual stocks. So with that said, Luke, kick us off. All right. Corey, thanks for doing this, mate. This is what I've called the all punt, no process portfolio. <laughs> <laughs> what, Jeez, how, how, do you right. how do you respond to that, Corey? <laughs> uh, not sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I was, I'm trying to be, you but, know, but, but it kind of works, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so just to be clear here, all punt, no process is what you've called Corey's portfolio. So Give us a bit of a reasoning why that is. Yeah, look, I think we're going to find a little bit about how Corey's actually bought these stocks and come to doing that in a minute. But it's just a disparate mix of stuff that's kind of weighted a little bit strangely uh, from my perspective. And, you know, there's definitely, I can see some some ideas that he's trying to sort of, you know, capture in, in the way that he's investing. But by the same token, not necessarily doing that in a way where it's going to have impact for him. And then kind of like, you know, running off and I like that stock and I like that stock and then putting kind of the wrong amount of money in those kind of ideas for the quality of those kind of ideas, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, a bit to unpack there, but let's start with the process. Yeah. So uh, this, I'll start with the stocks because that's probably the easiest bit. So we've got a lot of story stocks in here, Corey, and, you know, what I'd call story stocks, you know, uh, Weebit Nano, Hit IQ. Tell us a little bit about how you've chosen those stocks and you know why you like them so much. Yeah, so there's a couple of stocks in there that um, would be driven by certainly listening to other podcasts like Equity Mates or, or Equity Mates itself. Uh-oh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah those two are the, the ones certainly that are there. But I think out of all the stocks, none of the others were based on any of that. They were all decisions I made. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the heavier weighted ones, I guess they, in particularly in those, I, I tend to go heavier on stocks that are cheaper just due to I try and put 500 to to $1,000 in either stock that I invest in. Um, as a general rule. When so you say cheaper, what do you mean by cheaper? A cheaper price, yeah. So an, an average cheaper price. But because I'm starting out as well, I understand the the dollar averaging. I, you know, I'm, I'm trialing different products, but Weebit was probably something that because I work in IT, um, I read into it a fair bit and I, I believe that there has to be some change in that 
that type of memory, um, mm-hmm. especially with that's why I'm also in semiconductors and robotics with the AI trend. Yep. Um, I think it goes hand in hand with that. Um, Hero IQ is probably yeah that that definitely um, matches that all punt no process one I guess <laughs> definitely um, that would probably be more one that I heard on the Equity Makes podcast and I looked into a bit more and believe the same thing. I'm that, shaking you know, my head, Corey. The two boys I've, I've got <laughs> yeah. giving them a stern, giving them a stern <laughs> talking to after this. Yeah. Um, but that, that was, um, again, I didn't just buy it. I did look into it and I think I bought that recently when they uh, made an announcement that I agreed with, yeah. um, particularly in space about the, the AFL. So that's why I've put into that. I think the business has the room to grow and I think it's something that in terms of like, for instance, with the AFL, what you've seen in professional sport, yes, will usually go filter down to your more community sport and that. So that's understand. No, no, know the business, like understand it. I just suppose yeah. it's good just to get a, fl- a flavour for for where you're going. Like I've sort of looked at this stuff on the basis you've been holding these stocks for you know 12 months at least. Are these some of these new purchases or everything on there would have been in the last five to six months max? I only started in late August. I think um, Aussie Broadband might have been the first one. Yeah, and then obviously just growing from there, a mix of, um, you know, ETFs is, you know, to try and balance that um, and then other individuals as well. I think I do have one on the US stock market. I dipped into that because I find a way to learn is to, I guess, you know, kick the drop punt as you are trying yep. to nickname and see where it goes. <laughs> and that's the only way I learn by trial. Um, I'm a big, big believer much, in that. Big believer in that. Yeah. So, so as much not- as you can read on after take the dip so yeah mate for sure look let me give you some stuff i think that you can think about that's sort of a little bit more actionable so with your uranium exposure that you've, you've got there you're paying 69 basis points for that particular product and then they take 15 percent of your money and hand it to another essentially etf provider in sprot who charges you a further 72 percent only three of the top 10 holdings of that uh particular etf have outperformed the physical underlying uranium, which is that Sprott Trust that they buy. And you can go and buy that Sprott Trust yourself. So if you're just looking to get exposure to the uranium sector, you know, more broadly and and uranium prices more broadly, the way to sort of avoid that, what we call non-systematic risk, you know, the the risk that uh, is associated with each individual company, you can kind of avoid all that, pay less fees and kind of still do pretty well um, and still play that uranium theme. So I think like that's something you could definitely consider or think about. If you want to own the stocks and, you know, you like Cameco and the Kazakhstan Uranium Co and all that kind of stuff, fine, like I get it. And maybe, you know, that's not the right thing uh, for what you want to do. But that was just something that stood out to me. If I'm going to play the gold sector or I'm going to play the uranium sector, I'm always looking for sort of pure play commodity because that's it's a, it's a macro thing I'm trying to play, not the micro thing at the companies. If I like Cameco for whatever reason, which might include a positive thesis on uranium and something about their, you know, mind process or the corporate play or whatever, I'll buy the stock. But I, I don't really see the point in owning, you know, the diversified stocks, if that makes sense. Like either find the do the work on the companies and get down to the nitty-gritty and own whatever or and or just buy the the physical. Does that make sense? No, it does. And with the uranium in particular, I, I was on 50-50 on that. Like, do I, I think I was looking into, I think it was Yellowcake and Boss Energy, yep. obviously. And when I was kind of, you have that look and you go, oh, I don't know which one to invest in and you have to really dig deep. I saw the ETF as, oh, well, we'll, we'll use that as a it's way like a to touch. cover them all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the three that I looked at were in the top three or top top five holdings at the time. 
of that ETF. So that was kind of where I looked at it from that point. Yeah. And anyway, look, um, just, some, just something to consider. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, it's not a uh, must be one way, must be the other. It's just, you know, some thoughts for you, I suppose. The other thing I think you need to have a look at is like overall portfolio construction. So, you know, if you're going to buy, you know, diversified ETFs, whether they're sector ETFs or, you know, uh, broad-based market geographic type ETFs, you know, that's where you want to put the bulk of your money, particularly when you're getting started out investing, I think. You want to be in diversified things. You want to benefit from, you know, people starting companies in aggregate and trying to grow them, you know, make more profit every year and kind of betting on human capital going up, for lack of a better word. And and then, you know, put the smaller weights in the stuff that you want to have a punt with and you want to, you know, you need to do some work on your own. If you were going to run a high conviction stock portfolio, you know, you'd be running kind of up to 10% maybe in a single company. But if you were, you know, trying to do some sort of like core satellite, you might be sort of 5 to 10% in companies and then, you know, maybe 80% of the money in some more core sort of type stuff. I would treat the sector ETFs like non-core as well as kind of like a stock, if you know what I mean, and then focus, try and get some more broad-based exposure to, to markets more broadly. So, Luke, on that, are there any particular names or funds that you think are good ones to start your research on if you're looking for broad-based market exposure? Yeah, I think if you're looking for broad-based global equities, you can obviously choose any of the sort of BlackRock Vanguard type stuff that do MSCI or World Benchmarked or you could, you know, put together a, a basic thing or just buy like the high growth, you know, sort of uh, multi-asset stuff. But there's lots of good active managers as well, um, you know, uh, whether it's, you know, a GQG we use in our in our model at the moment who do a sort of broad-based global equities portfolio or someone who has a high conviction portfolio yeah. like a Stephen Arnold at, at Aorus who's a really good manager and, you know, really good at what he does too. So um, who's also in our global equity portfolio. So, Luke, just to close out here, Corey, your portfolio reminds me somewhat of my portfolio when I first started, which was um, no punt, no process, kind of similar to how I run it at the moment as well. But um, <laughs> Bryce will be on next week. <laughs> Bryce, no, that's not Bryce, true. Bryce says that, but he's the guy that puts 80% of his money into like market tracking. Well, this is my point. ETFs. Yeah. So, yeah. Corey here has a couple of stocks that are very overweight compared to other positions in the portfolio. Mm -hmm. And so generally speaking, going from here to kind of rectify the portfolio construction, what the, I guess the the general advice is, is to start building up the positions in the more broader exposure ETFs. Yeah, sort of. Look, I'm not, I'm not big on these slow transitions. Okay. Right. Like the beauty of being in, listed markets and not buy, you know, if you go and buy a warehouse or you do something else with your money, you don't have the op- option just to switch and change and buy next door's warehouse instead of yours, and, you know, whereas here you can. Like you can exit every single one of these positions and buy, you know, whatever you want, perfect portfolio for you today. So my, my view is is figure out what your first off, figure out what your perfect portfolio is and then the second thing is buy it, you know, and then then you have got your portfolio that, that's set and, you're investing every day how you would ideally for, you know, the future from yep. that point forward. So, um, and, you know, that's kind of my view is there is really no hold in investing. There's only, you know, sell. I don't want to own this investment anymore or rebuy at today's market prices. Mm. You know, if you own a stock, stock ABC, it's trading at a dollar. To go tomorrow, it goes to $2. Well, your decision not to sell is just a really a, re- a decision to rebuy that stock, sort of X of tax, mm. at, at two bucks 
again today because your alternative is to sell it. So there is really no hold. It's a continual decision to rebuy these stocks at today's prices or to sell. Nice. Well, Corey, that sort of brings us to the end of our, our first Pimp My Portfolio. A couple of decisions there, I guess, for you to think about, which is uh, well, A, specifically around the uranium exposure, but B, uh, thinking about how you are going to reweight some of the uh, exposure that you have there with Aussie Broadband, Hit IQ, and Weebit Nano, and reweight some of that back into the more diversified ETFs, and uh, and then go from there. So certainly hope that uh, Luke has been able to to provide a bit of uh, general advice there for you. And thank you so much for being the first cab off the rank. Uh, if you appreciate do update, you, yeah, very very much appreciate it. <laughs> hope you got hope you got something out of that. Yeah, there's a couple of points there, and and like you touched on the point of um, you either sell or rebuy. I've already done that a couple of times and that's like, for instance, Aussie Broadband, which is heavily weighted. That's I've done that twice already. Good man. So nice. that's probably why it's a little bit. But yeah, there's a couple of tactics there and, and such that I'm already looking at or um, can take on board and know that I'm in the right direction there at least or look more into it. Nice one. Awesome. Thank you for that. Well, I mean, you're only a few months into your investing journey and it is really a lifelong journey. So a massive congratulations for getting started and for withstanding Luke's barrage. <laughs> um, but, but hopefully hopefully it's um giving you some thoughts on where you can go next on the journey and, and good luck with it. Appreciate it, guys. Now, if you would like Luke to uh, review your portfolio, you can book a time with him. He'll have a look at it, discuss broader markets with you or help with your financial goals. Head to equitymates.com slash advice and select Luke's name in the contact form and we'll make sure that uh, you go straight through to be able to book an appointment with Luke at Seneca. But Luke, thank you. Pleasure, gentlemen. All right, we're going to take a very quick break. And then on the other side, we're bringing back another segment for 2024, and that is Book Club. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or 
or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Welcome back to Equity Mates Investing. Just like we've got new stings this year, Ren, we're bringing back segments that uh, we're dusting off from the early years of Equity Mates. So let's hit it. Book club. <laughs> Ren's reading the book, so Bryce doesn't have to. <laughs> yes, that sting Slight is sledge here, but that, that's all right. That sting is acknowledging, <laughs> I guess, the reality—the reality that killed book club last time around. <laughs> what was that? Uh, you stopped reading the books. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember it. It was the yes. J.D. Rockefeller book. Yeah. You chose it. I chose it, and it was this big, thick monster. <laughs> Seven hundred pages. I read it all through summer. Get back in the studio after summer. You haven't read it. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. So at least we're true to ourselves in acknowledging what this segment will be. Look, there will be times where I'll bring a book in. And in fact, today's book I've read read some of, not knowing that this would be a book club (laughs) segment. (laughs) Uh, But you've read the full book. Um, So firstly, before we kick off, if you have a book you'd like us to read or you want to come and tell us about a business or any sort of biography or whatever it may be that you're reading, somewhat related to money and markets. I'm going to, no, I'm going to, it's going to be a quite broad book club okay. this year, I think. Great. Well, yeah, there you yeah, go. Yeah. It'll, um, it'll all be nonfiction, but I think it all counts as investors. Yeah, great. Well, all, yeah. let us know, um, equitymates.com slash contact. But Ren, today we've got The Millionaire's Factory. Yes. The uh, inside look at Macquarie Bank. Yeah. A fascinating look at The Millionaire's Factory mm. as it is known. Mm. Um Macquarie Bank, for people uh, unfamiliar, they started as a, an Australian arm of a London investment bank and then really have just expanded beyond that. They are now massive players in infrastructure, big players in funds management. They have a retail banking arm here in Australia um, and have fingers in so many different pies, like infrastructure in the broadest definition of infrastructure, like data centres and energy and... Um, Oh, everything. Yeah. It's it is a it's a fascinating company and it is a fascinating story because it's quite a unique culture and I guess um, growth story. I think the the cultural part from what I have read is the biggest uh, one of the biggest takeaways from this, yeah. and we even know from the experiences we've had of meeting ex Macquarie uh, employees and and also just understanding. Uh, how they operate at the moment, like the way that they develop culture and a culture of high performance and rewarding high performance so that, you know, your best people stay around. Um, And also, I guess, keeping everything as internal as possible. Mm. You look at the leaders of the bank and I think they've had four or five. They've had six CEOs, all of them from internal. Yeah. yeah. So they've yeah. worked their way up through but, the ranks. But it's not even that. They have this ex-co, which is like the executive <laughs> committee below the CEO. And it's very rare for anyone to be hired directly into the ex-co. Like mm. there was one guy who was brought in from Westpac to really drive their retail banking strategy. Um, and that was so unusual that he was straight into the mm. ex-co. So it's like, mm. they're a very much like a bottom-up high from within mm. organization. Mm. Well, you're also rewarded by staying there. Yeah, what, 10-year ten, ten vesting <laughs> ten period year on your shares yeah. and if you quit, you lose that. Yeah, well, yeah. it's like, for example, the um, their highest earner, I can't uh, remember Nick, his name. Nick O'Kane. Nick O'Kane, yeah. who um, essentially Just, quit. Yeah. 
he would be leaving a lot on the table. Yeah, so that context uh, is really interesting. So he was known as like their big earner, their big deal maker. He really made his bones. Macquarie have a massive energy trading business and uh, he, uh, along with some of his colleagues, really drove that growth like post-JFC. And he came back to Australia and that was seen, he was seen as a potential successor to Shamara. And when he came back to Australia, that was seen as... The next, the next step, step in the succession plan. Yeah. And so, you know, I was reading about that and then you flick on the news and he's quit it's and it's gone. like, oh, that's interesting. Something has obviously changed there. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I've got five key takeaways, so All I don't right. want to dilly-dally too much. And I think these are takeaways that are somewhat applicable to Macquarie, but I think they were good general investing takeaways. Okay. So the first one, Macquarie has grown by its theory of adjacencies. And so that is where they start in a business and they're just constantly looking for the next angle to make more money or to the next opportunity adjacent to where they are or where they have expertise. And this is best illustrated in their infrastructure growth. So they started just as a corporate advisor on deals, but then adjacency after adjacency they found and they exploited to the point where, and not as much anymore, they're a bit more arm's length uh, in some of this, but at one point they were earning fees on advising the seller of an infrastructure asset, arranging the financing, underwriting that financing, and then the management fee on the fund that buys the asset, a performance fee on that fund as well, and then fees on selling the asset. So they were involved in like every part of the transaction. That's good business. Um, Peter Costello, the former Australian treasurer, he had a quote that I pulled out. Quote, I never found Macquarie argued after the event. It was, these are the rules of the game. We exploited them to the full. If you want to change the rules, we'll abide by whatever the new rules are. And you knew that they would exploit the new rules to the fullest as well. And it's just like, that was Macquarie. Just like, get in an industry, figure out where the opportunity is and just just find that next little way to exploit it. And if the rules change, then they change what they did. Mm. But that that is the growth story of Macquarie in the US, in Europe, in Canada, in Australia, in all these different arms. It's just really smart people being given license to go. Mm. And that really leads me to my second takeaway, which was a real bottom-up culture at Macquarie. Mm. Mm. And it really had hallmarks of Sam Walton's um, yeah. Made in America, is that what it's called? Yeah, yeah, the Walmart yeah. CEO. Where he he was so focused on devolving power from head office to his stores, giving his stores, treating them like business owners, the store managers like business owners, essentially giving them PL responsibility for that store. That's the same as Macquarie. Like these smart people are given responsibility to build businesses. Essentially, Macquarie will pay for your desk in a lot of these like new markets or new industries. And then you gotta do it yourself. You do it, yeah. And like a lot of times you fail and that's okay. There was a story in here about Nicholas Moore before he was CEO holding a big seminar about all the failures at Macquarie and like celebrating all these people that had tried things and failed things. And like that was the culture. Give things a crack. You, if you have an idea, it's like things don't, aren't top down. It's not like here's what our yeah. what we're going to do. Risk yeah. management is top down, yeah. but the ideas and the growth are bottom up. So that's yeah. the second one that I thought was really interesting. Third one. Risk management, really strong risk management, gives the ability to be counter-cyclical investors. Mm. So Macquarie famously haven't blown themselves up like so many other big peers have, big investment banks have. They've really taken advantage of opportunities to invest through the cycle. So after the 1987 crash and the subsequent recession, they bought Security Pacific Australia. 
After the Russian financial crisis, they bought BT. After the GFC, they bought Constellation Energy in Houston. Like these periods where a lot of their peers were like risk off, uh, batting down the hatches, let's go through these financial shocks. Macquarie was out there and buying things, mm-hmm. which I think then- Which isn't so much risk on, it's just they have a risk management framework. That allows, that allows them, to, them to make those Well, decisions. I mean, it allows them yeah. to take risk when no one else is. Yeah. It allows them to take advantage of yeah. undervalued assets, <laughs> which I think is a good lesson for us as we look for investments, what companies are managing risk well and being mm-hmm. sensible about risk and not getting caught up in the cycle. But it also is a lesson for us as personal investors. Let's not get too caught up. Let's make sure we've got- powder dries so we can invest when everyone else is not investing. Running away. I.e. 2023. Yeah. Yeah. So that's three takeaways. My fourth one, even the best investments have bad times. Uh, And you see this time and time again with like the great stocks over a long period of time, you know, like the Monster Energies or the Domino's Pizzas or the Games Workshop over in London, like these absolute star performers have had massive periods of underperformance where Mm. everyone fell out of love with them and their share price fell. Macquarie is no different. Between September 2001 and August 2002, share price fell from $41 to $25 in about a year. That was around the time they bought Sydney Airport and then tried to privatise Qantas and they tried to do a whole bunch of stuff and people fell out of love with them. Richard Branson very publicly was attacking them. Fascinating stories, worth reading the book. But that fall had nothing compared to their fall during the JFC. They fell 80% mm. in like a year and a half. I remember I was at high school, JFC hit, I think it was year nine or 10. Well, yeah, it would have been around then. And there was this guy in my class, Fabian, and he just kept saying, buy Macquarie, buy <laughs> Macquarie, buy Macquarie. And wow. I'm like, what is this guy talking about? And he just absolutely nailed it. Well, yeah. If, if you'd bought Macquarie at the depths of the JSC when they were like 19, 20 bucks, yeah. you would have almost 10 bagged it. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Fabian wherever you are. If only Bryce what listened to you. What a legend. Uh, and then my final takeaway to bring it home, um, this company just purely relies on brilliant people. Yeah. And for me, that's risky. As I was reading this book, the Warren Buffett quote, just kept ringing in my ears. We look for businesses even a fool could run because one day one will. Mm. And it's like if a fool ran this business. Gone. Yeah. Like <laughs> if, if the risk management framework is off, if they don't see something coming around the corner, if, you know, w- w- whatever it is. It's a good point. Yeah. Like yeah. It, it, it is a business and, and all of these exploiting opportunities, like time after time in this book, it's a story of like an individual person being empowered but then doing what a lot of their peers couldn't do, Mm. like convincing American state governments to privatise infrastructure or convincing Canadian pension funds to back this little-known Australian bank. It's like... uh, I guess they just back themselves to keep producing quality talent. Your thesis around Macquarie has to be like they get the pick of the talent here in Australia and globally and then they have an incredibly strong training program and, you know, like they... Yeah. But... That's risky. Yeah, it's, of course. It's, it's yeah, not yeah. like, like if you ask Macquarie what their mode is, you'd say, oh, they've got like the entrenched advantages in a lot of markets and they've got brilliant <laughs> people. But yeah, it's not like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying yeah, to think. It requires, it requires a lot of 
human input. Put it this way, to, to go full circle on this episode, it's not like Woolworths where there's like a really clear mm. moat mm. in like this massive store network and, you know, great positions and, you know, all, all the stuff that you need to, you know, like a, a fool could run Woolworths and not do a great job but not blow it not, up. Yeah. If a fool ran Macquarie, they could blow it up. Yeah. So that's a risk. Nice. Well, that's the first episode of uh, Book Club for 2024. It's written by two guys from the AFR from memory. Yeah. Is that right? Two yeah. journos. Yeah. So that was the Millionaire's Factory, an inside look into Macquarie Bank. I think that's the byline or an inside story of how Macquarie Bank became a global giant. Uh, so check it out if you'd like us to review a book or if you'd like Ren to review a book and, and me to pseudo read it, hit us up, equitymates.com slash contact. Also, you can leave us a question there. You can submit a uh, portfolio for Pimp My Portfolio where you can connect you with some financial advisors if you're looking for professional help as well. So uh, hit us up at equitymates.com slash contact. But Ren, as always, a pleasure to chat stocks. And tomorrow, Adam Keeley will be back for buy or sell. Mm, Yes, back by popular demand. So look out for that. We'll be back in your feed on Thursday. Uh, So speak soon. You have been listening to an Equitymates Media production. In the spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. This podcast is intended for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general advice only and has not taken into account your personal financial circumstances, needs or objectives. Before acting on general advice, you should consider if it is relevant to your needs and read the relevant product disclosure statement. And if you're unsure, please speak to a financial professional. The hosts of this podcast and their guests may have positions in the companies mentioned. Equitymates Media operates under an Australian Financial Services Licence 540697. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eden syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.